hello everyone welcome to the new episode of everyday talkies now before you jump on to listening to this episode wait take a breath smile get your regular dose of life changing entropy here on everyday talkies hello guys welcome to the new episode of everyday talkies we are back again with a new guest and as i promised earlier we'll be exploring the field of psychology in more depth i think in the last couple of episodes you must have learned about you know what the psychology and you know how can you pursue that and the different streams though we know about what clinical psychology counseling and hr is i wanted to go into some obscure specializations i don't know whether this is obscure or not but for that i have with myself dr megna as the forensic psychologist is that the correct way to describe you yes Absolutely. Uh, welcome here, uh, Meghna. I can call you Meghna, Doctor Meghna. Which one do you prefer? Oh, Meghna is fine. I only need titles when I need to get paid for my work. <laughs> Apparently, you get more respect when you throw around titles in this country. So true. No, because this is the first time I have a doctor on my platform. So yeah, thank you so much for accepting my invitation. My pleasure. I see that you have already given lots of interviews and. Uh, about who you are and all of that so i would ask you to repeat that again but for people who want to know more about all the work that you've done we will dis- we'll be discussing some part of it i'll link megna's linkedin id there's lots of that you can go through it or you can reach out to her for more so megna what got you interested in psychology why psychology to start from the beginning right like i was just like any other student who is super confused about what to do with life you know you have all these options in front of you and you don't know what to pick right especially like now like the students are really confused with their career choices because everything sounds nice so what i did was i kind of uh, narrowed myself down to three majors that i thought would be of interest to me so i ended up doing journalism psychology and english literature so it was a triple major so that kind of gave me options the one thing i knew was i did not want to do engineering i did not want to do medicine so i basically knew what i don't want to do with my life but i didn't know what i wanted to do with my life back in the day so it took me a while uh, i thought i wanted to do media studies so i took journalism psychology literature and in my second year of bachelor's i think i started to like psychology so much more than journalism and no offense to the journalists but uh, it was my personal interest so i started uh, finding this more interesting um additionally what i also liked so even before i wore i took a bachelor of arts uh, i wanted to also uh, consider being a lawyer but then i realized that being a lawyer takes many years of studying about 7 years of studying so i was like no i don't want to study that much i i mean life throws its irony at you i studied a lot more than i could yes. i could have <laughs> if i had become a lawyer but uh, i kind of put the lawyer idea aside and i took up psychology and while i was studying my bachelor's i was trying to connect law and psychology and you know if there was some way i could put these two interests of mine together and that's how i kind of bumped into forensic psychology so it was just me putting two things together that i liked and you know it was a good combination that i stumbled upon and then it was all like you know one direction for me so i was like i want to be a forensic psychologist so what are the steps i need to take to get there yeah initially it started off with me thinking of multiple options but once i kind of narrowed it down to psychology i knew that was what i wanted no, okay so this is an interesting journey right so initially you knew what you did not want to do so that's that's also an important aspect people should know what they don't want to do yeah but you started your career way earlier and today i think people are in a lot more flux with what they want to do in the future back then i'm not sure how was the scenario and i think there was a more orthodox culture i feel yeah in compared to today where people forced you to be a engineer or a doctor or maybe a ca if you want to do a bcom or something on those lines so how did you navigate those 
challenges in your life first of all law again law is separate but still it's a mainstream career choice but then you wanted to pair it with psychology and then go into a specialized field of psychology again which is also not known much in india as far as i know so how did the society respond to you and how did you tackle that to be honest i did a great job setting my expectations really low with the people around so i made sure that they didn't expect too much out of me when the moment i said i don't want to do engineering or medicine i saw a lot of disappointed faces you know in my family amongst my friends relatives they were like yeah but why not you know like what are the other things you would want to do with your life other than engineering or medicine so the moment i disappointed all of them their expectations were really low for me which was nice right so there's no pressure i can do whatever i want um so once that happened i think uh, i took some time to kind of figure out what i wanted to do and uh, my brother helped me with those uh, options as well he said you know what these are the things i think you might be good at given what i know about you all my life and i said you know what i don't know what to do anyway i think this sounds nice let me take this up so i had my brother to support me in my choices and then eventually my parents got on board i think it was not too hard because once i started doing what i really loved they saw that i was excelling in it and they were really happy with the outcome of what i was doing so i guess they got on board eventually you need obviously some support in your life so you know kudos to your brothers you are here but there's one aspect which i think goes in everyone's mind in today's or i think any time for that matter when you choose a career right when you choose a field you also want to look at how, you know how soon can you become financially independent or you know yeah. how will your prospects be and i'm sure psychology has its own challenges especially in india regarding financial independence so didn't that bother you any time during your career well it did i think when i was doing my bachelor's i was a bit more naive about the fact that this is going to be a career choice right so i was a very happy go lucky child i was like yeah this sounds nice i like studying this so let me do this and only when i got towards my masters i was like oh yeah okay i don't know how much money this will pay me because i don't know a lot of people getting a lot of money in this field so it eventually became you know kind of like an obstacle course but what i realized was with psychology there's a lot of flex you can pick and choose the things that you're good at doing and you can specialize in that and another thing that i realized is if you're good at something right if you have good skill sets and if you have some good network then you get work if you're good at doing what you're doing it's not too hard to like you know get yourself going financially because people eventually notice that okay this person knows what she's doing and you know she's good at certain things so we can ask her to do this for us uh the second thing that i you know navigated through and i kind of recently found myself doing a lot more is being a good negotiator and putting a good price so i think uh, a lot of people who study psychology undersell themselves a lot they're not treated with as much respect as you know people who are doing other uh, human related work or medical related work for example maybe psychiatrists get paid more because they are like medical doctors but psychologists don't even though they are doing all the hard work of therapy counseling you know of assessments that's another thing that i navigated through and i said you know what this is my price you can pay it or you can leave because i know what i'm doing and eventually people came around to realize okay you know like it's okay i can i i would rather pay her this much because i know she'll do a good job so that's how i came about it i think that is something which everyone should strive for that you are confident enough in your abilities that you can charge any price and uh, people can cater to you because of your skills okay so there are a lot of things to unpack here so let's focus one by one so you said that you didn't want to do education for 7 years right and ultimately you ended up doing 9 years of more of education you did your bachelor's masters then diploma and then you did your phd how did this sudden uh, change happen where you were not that interested in studies and then you ended up doing like what 9 or 10 years of study so uh, when you pick psychology you can't just get away with an undergraduate degree like in engineering for example right you have to specialize and when you specialize you have to have like certifications you have to have work experience in that field 
right uh, so a minimum for you to become any kind of a psychologist is to have a master's degree but since i kind of realized in my bachelor's degree that i wanted to be a forensic psychologist my only pathway based on my research back then was i have to do a masters in clinical psychology to be eligible for a postgraduate diploma in forensic psychology so when i studied forensic psychology which was some time in 2011 i think so gujarat forensic sciences university which is now national forensic sciences university was the only place in india offering this course so for you to be eligible to work uh, sorry study forensic psychology you need to have a masters in clinical psychology that was a prerequisite so my focus focus was very simple i become a, i do my masters in clinical psychology and then go to gujarat so there was an entrance exam i wrote that i did that course for a year and i thought oh okay fine so once i do this course i'll become a forensic psychologist turns out it's not that straightforward like i could have taken up a government job you know with a state government or the central government uh with forensic science labs but uh, i kind of deviated a little bit and i worked in a brain research lab after that which was you know designing forensic psychology related tools yeah so i kind of did that for a while it took me a long time <laughs> to study so much because i have to specialize so for me to become a forensic psychologist i had to invariably study this much uh, sorry to interrupt you there so the one key element that i wanted to ask you that what kept you motivated all these years right i knew that this was your dream right so you wanted to achieve that when you decided it for my second year but um from what i see from my friends right from my daily interactions some of them are uh, they don't want to study that much and the only question why i ask this is i want to satisfy uh, my curiosity because i on the other hand i think in this thinking very poles apart with my friends so they want to settle down quite early they want to do their mbas maybe because i think if you don't do your masters today in india uh, you're not good enough so i think that is the minimum requirement for most of the people but after that they don't want to study but for me uh, because there are so many fields like so such uh, various things to learn about and you can't just study like you can study things for the sake of learning you don't have to build careers in it so i always felt that you know if i let's let me do my bachelor's and the masters maybe i'll do a masters in some other subject altogether right maybe i'll do counseling psychology for uh, a year or two what do you think of this approach and what kept you motivated for those 9 years so what i did was i did uh, my specialization in forensic psychology right and then i worked in a brain research lab i explored a little bit i worked in a prison uh, i uh, i kind of you know uh, got some training in a forensic science lab uh, and stuff like that so i felt like these learnings were there was only so much that you know it could give me right so i worked there for some time and i learned everything i possibly could from there and then i felt like i was hitting a wall i was like okay well is this it like is this all i have to learn is there nothing else right and for me monotony is the devil i i can't wake up and do the same thing every day if i'm not learning something or if i'm not growing then for me it's a wall i i need to turn around or i need to go in a different direction so i did that and then i felt i i was somehow not very satisfied with the outcome of that entire degree i did like i had different ideas about it but what i got out of it were quite disappointing at least back then so i i also kind of i think hit some monotony boredom with what i was doing so i wanted to explore so that's when i got into a bit of corporate i became like a psychometrician where i was uh, developing psychometric assessments for corporates right i did some training corporate trainings uh, stuff like that right research and development i also was teaching in christ for a bit i was teaching forensic psychology for a bit and i worked on mental health portals worked in hospitals so i i kind of you know dabbled my feet in like everything uh, here and there whatever psychology could offer me with my degrees i kind of you know poke my nose in there to see what's there and i felt like oh, okay fine so this is what this has to offer and that made my view of what i wanted to do a little more clearer 
I was like, okay, so this is what this has to offer. So maybe in India, this idea of forensic psychology is a bit more limited than what it is abroad. So I came back to forensics again after all the dabbling, and I realized, yeah, okay, I think I need to go abroad and uh, you know get a degree from there. So since I already had a master's degree and a postgraduate diploma, my next best option was a PhD. So I was like, okay, fine, let me do that as well. Like, what's left? Uh, <laughs> but then you segue quite well, right, into the foreign world. So you went outside and studied, and I'm sure that would be a huge, huge, huge uh, difference in experience with what happened in India. So tell us something about that. I mean, I worked for quite some time, and then, um, like I said, you know, I wanted to kind of uh, get out of India and explore what's there in the field. So it took me a long time to actually get the right program. Right, so I wrote to like God knows how many professors across the world. Uh, wrote to a lot of program coordinators, saying, you know, this is my field, this is my interest, this is what I've done, and so that went on for at least maybe like six months. I think I put six months of just writing emails and getting rejections and some accepting, and you know, like there were accept acceptance letters, but I couldn't afford to go there because it was expensive. I didn't get funding. So I basically needed a program that would be funded, you know, that was prestigious enough, and that was also in my field. So you see, like I've narrowed down my uh, potential, you know, uh, chances of getting to a PhD like to a really small number. So what happened was like I, while I was doing my research, I came across this program uh, which was hosted by what they call the House of Legal Psychology. So these guys got funding for five years from the European Commission. So the European Commission gave three universities, so three different universities that has the top experts in legal psychology in the world came together and they applied for funding with the European Commission and they said we need five years of PhD students, about five to six students a year, right, to do research in legal psychology and take the field forward. And somehow I applied to the program. I managed to get in. It was fully funded, and it's a double PhD. So I have a PhD from University of Gothenburg in Sweden. I have a PhD from University of Portsmouth in the UK. So it was a three-year fully funded program. Perfect fit. The field that I wanted to work in. The best of minds in legal psychology. So it all just fit in. It took me a long time and a lot of hard work to get that, but when I did, it felt like the perfect match. We talked about education a, bit, a lot, so let's come to the work part, right? And for guys who are wondering that why haven't I asked you what forensic psychology and legal psychology is, guys, you have to wait, right? That is coming in the next part, and you have to wait for that episode. But before that, I want to know uh, Meghna a bit more, and she talked about a lot of things that she did in between. I just skimmed over quickly. I want to deep dive a bit into that and learn. Uh, small small things from there. So you said that initially uh, you were part of the corporate environment, right? You did talent management and all of that. So and then you were part of prisons. Then you did online consultancy. You designed assessments. You were a teacher. So I want to know one anecdote from each of those phases of your life and how was it different from the other. So let's start with the corporate part because I think that was the first thing that you did. Ah uh, no, actually the brain research lab was. Ah uh, yeah. Thing that I did. Mm -hmm. So there. The work I did was so they designed the uh, brain mapping machines, the brain mapping equipment that is used in forensic science labs across the country, uh, and also in the CBI and things like that. So they use it for uh, to identify uh, deception and uh, suspects. So I worked uh, in the research lab there uh, as a consultant psychologist. So did a lot of data collecting research to identify, you know, how the machine works, you know, what developments we need to make. And also consulted on a few uh, actual cases, you know, brought in by the police. Uh, you know, so I did that for a while. 
um for that i worked in the psychometric assessment company it was a paris based company where we developed psychometric assessments like all your reasoning ability tests personality tests all these things that people usually uh you know do in their hr rounds right before they get a job so those are things that i Uh, kind of well, I have a long relation with psychometric test because in Christ I was part of this organization which started I think a year before I joined that so around 2015 and it was called CAPS so where they had different hubs of uh, so there was one on event management there was one on marketing and then there was one on psychology and okay. uh, masters in I think clinical counseling all the three fields all of them came uh, I think for around 10 people and they designed tests and they took lot of tests they took uh, psychometric tests in variety of areas lumina sparks mbti all of these and then they took some tests on mapping a sleep patterns or on handwriting so I've given so many tests by being there because I was part of the event management team and had a lot of interaction with that team as well so yeah uh, but it's fun to uh, learn that you had to design them right out of scratch so what thought really goes when you design this test because for me it just looks like these are random questions and i just and you want to know more about myself that's it it takes a lot of time right so you have to come up with items that you you know do research on to identify what traits you want to measure in a certain psychometric assessment like say for example if you want to give a personality tool to someone you want to identify if they have leadership traits or if they have managerial traits if they have if they are extroverted like for example like people high on introversion may not uh, handle leadership roles too well because they may not be very comfortable handling high stress um high people engagement kind of roles i mean I, it it may be completely untrue because a lot of people are breaking barriers these days but just just a random example to help clarify right so what we do is like you identify okay so i want to list items for extroversion so you come up with like a giant list of things that we think measures extroversion based on research so you read up a lot you read up on all the you know research papers that have uh, talked about extroversion all the prior prior personality scales that have been established already trait is studied and then we come up with like a large pool of items of which we kind of pilot it and then see what items measure what so if you know we identify if each item measures a certain trait with the highest strength or not Uh, so we kind of do a lot of item analysis and then pick out each trait and then put certain number of items because we also wanted to make want to make it efficient right we don't want like 500 questions in one personality trait oh sorry personality questionnaire yeah it's 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 a rather rigorous process <laughs> okay so i asked this because i understand if people who are interested in psychology they want to know the, all the aspects of psychology so i wanted to talk about this test because though it might seem boring to somebody but this is a part of the job and uh, you need to do this to get valuable insights but then on the other hand I also want to know you did a clinical psychology right and you were practicing psychology in hospitals as well as online consultancies so first tell us like if you could give us a brief what clinical psychology is and like how was your experience in those situations and if you could share an anecdote it would be great so um clinical psychology basically looks at uh, psychiatric issues any mental health disorders that needs a clinician's uh, assessment so you actually it's like you know taking somebody to um you know a doctor to identify to tell the doctor these are the symptoms so to identify what could be causing these symptoms for example if i go to a doctor and say i have fever i have headache i have whatever and then the doctor says well it could be these things but let me do a test to make sure this is what it is. a clinical psychologist kind of does that right like if you go with all these symptoms of yeah i'm i'm feeling suicidal i'm feeling fatigued i have lack of interest i cannot get off my bed blah 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 these are the symptoms i've had it for like a month and then the clinical psychologist will 
you know have like a provisional diagnosis like mentally and be like okay let me give you these assessments and you know be sure of what it is that you have so we can do therapy that works for that particular you know diagnosis so yeah uh, that is kind of what i did i worked under supervision for some time uh, and then i worked on my own with clients and basically identifying symptoms coming up with provisional diagnosis doing clinical assessments uh, designing therapy therapy modules yeah that's that's mostly yeah what i did in clinical psychology so i was always terrified of hospitals okay right? and unfortunately for me uh, clinical psychology became a prerequisite to do forensic psychology right mm-hmm. so i had to invariably do internship for a year in hospitals during my masters so i worked for a year in a hospital so the first day i still remember the first day i had to go to my clinical internship it was in a hospital two of my friends uh, they literally had to kind of hold me one hand each in their arms and drag me into the hospital and you know like i kind of like hyperventilated in a room and like my supervisor came and she said hey like it's it's going to be fine like you know it's just a room it's just going to be people you know there's no surgeries happening here we're not going to give you any injections nothing happens like calm down it's just a room with human beings <laughs> so so it took me a while to kind of you know be comfortable in a hospital setting uh but yeah eventually i kind of also like like you did right like you had some exposure therapy yeah uh, i I did the same thing you know expose myself little by little to a hospital setting so that I get used to it and get over my fear I have a small question here um, you may choose not to answer this but don't you feel that sense of fear when you're dealing with people in such close proximity right and you know that your actions impact them now why is it and I think it's possible for let's say doctors in general being uh, beat for mental health or physical health for that matter beat lawyers right but then on the other hand like being a computer engineer or like myself i don't say I, <laughs> i don't really interact with people as such right so even if there's if something is going wrong there's no people component in it yeah but for you it's a direct component right if something goes wrong it has a direct impact so how yeah. do you overcome that fear how do you overcome that boundary i think it's practice it just takes some time like of course it's terrifying the first time you do it and probably the second time you do it and probably the 10th time you do it but the 11th time you'll start you know easing into it it's like you know when a doctor cuts open the body the first time ever you know they might pass out in the you know, yeah. surgery right but like if they have cut open like a hundred bodies they're just like yeah well it, it just becomes like your software engineer job after a point because like you know what to do you know how to do this you've done this one too many times before and you know what to expect right because you've mostly most likely come across all possible outcomes you know because you've handled so many different kind of clients so yeah i think you get over your fear because you just practice a lot and you keep doing it's repetitive behavior the more you repeat it uh or the more you do it the longer you do it the better you get at it and the easier it becomes for you i understand but then when you were talking about cutting bodies uh, some sickening thing in my mind uh, reminded me of prisons of your experience huh? in prisons so okay first of all nobody talks about going to prison and you voluntarily went there or uh, did you work there as a forensic psychologist so how was that experience what does that entail really uh i think that was one of my uh best experiences uh i enjoyed my time in prison if i can say so uh well, that's the first time i'm any, i'm hearing this anybody say this but okay yeah, being on the other side of prison where you have the chance to walk out of there and walk in is nice uh but no i think uh, jokes apart i i really like my time there because it gave me a whole new perspective of my view of people who have committed crimes 
so usually we tend to dehumanize a person who has committed some form of a crime it's a very common like human uh, emotional response i think where you're like you get angry if a person has committed um you know a heinous crime or you know has done something that unlawful right uh for me going there talking to those people on a regular basis getting their perspective so here's how it was for me right like i used to walk in there and i used to really look forward to having a chat right because i was out of the ordinary set of people they meet on a regular basis and the conversations we had were not regular conversations either and i was the only person who was willing to listen to their side of the story you know without judgment um so they they opened up you know they were happy to do it i would walk in there and somebody would be waiting with like a big jug of you know uh, ginger tea and he used to pour a glass of ginger tea for himself and for me we used to sit across a table no handcuffs nothing no bars nothing right it was just a table and two chairs on either side we used to sit have chai and talk and that is so basic right you don't think about them that way you think about them as oh my god prisoners they must be dangerous you know they might do something harm but it kind of blew my mind even though i studied this for so long actually being there kind of blew my mind as to how how much i was empathizing with the these people as humans and i think that is such a big lack in our country and in some of the other countries you know across the world where we dehumanize people who have committed an unlawful act so yeah i think it was it was just an amazing experience for me if i may ask what was the exact reason that you were there like, were you trying to uh, rehabilitate them to bring back bring them back into the society or was it you know just to understand why they did uh, the thing that they did yes uh, so basically uh, a little bit of everything so to to try to understand their mental status mm-hmm. right because uh, uh, i worked in a central prison right so all these people were like long time prisoners okay so they've come in there for murders they've come in there for rape they've come in there for arson narcotics you know uh, like serious crimes so they've been there for a long time and some of them are like you know are getting out soon maybe in the next 6 months they're finishing the sentence maybe in the next one year they're finishing the sentence so what i used to do was like you know talk to them i didn't you know try to understand their mental status try to understand how they perceive going outside right because a lot of these people feared going out they said you know i've lived here for so long i don't know what to expect when i go out like i'm used to this routine you know i wake up i social redemption Yeah so they're so used to they they're like yeah I go to the pharmacy I work or I go do carpentry I go do book binding I go to the bakery and work so they're doing so many things they're so used to it uh so one of the clients that I spoke to he went to prison when he was 19 right and when I spoke to him he was 30 33 and he has absolutely no idea how much the world has changed since then he was terrified he's like i have no idea what to do so there was one session where he cried and he said i don't know if i want to actually go out i am terrified like what does the world look like what's it out there like you know what what are the things that have changed can you tell me what it's like out there and for me that was heartbreaking because that's when also my ideas of imprisonment and rehabilitation of criminals and the entire perspective of the law enforcement agencies kind of changed i said this is not how it's supposed to be right you know like we shouldn't be punishing i mean we should of course make them aware of what i've done and make sure they won't do it again but is this the way though if you if you put a badly behaved dog inside a cage 
for a long time and if you un- if you open the cage the dog would be even more aggressive than it was before because it's right. it's very angry that it was locked up for so long mm-hmm. an animal can react like that how much do you think a human would you know be frustrated mentally physically if you're locked up inside a room for like decades so is that is that a way to go like does that even make sense in the long run what are we doing wrong here like should it be punishment and is that punishment sensible at all rational at all so yeah i think i got that change in perspective when i worked there mostly yeah, i did i did help them find ways to deal with the stress of going out rehabilitation reengagement into society things like that um so it's a whole new world for me because even i had never you know seen this from this perspective and maybe we'll elaborate that sometime after but coming toning things down for this episode a bit we talked about your career a lot now tell us something like one year we are all living under a pandemic and there's no people interaction and that sucks when you are in a field of people so yeah, yeah how how are you dealing things how uh, how are things going what other interests are keeping you occupied i binge watch a lot of tv series <laughs> you know i think that's like a common uh, yeah. denominator for all of us now so that happens but additionally i also i mean a lot of my work happens online now so my consulting happens online uh my projects are happening online uh so i'm doing that additionally i also engage in like animal rescues and you know like i'm part of animal groups and organizations uh i take care of street dogs feed them you know i have a dog of my own so i do a little bit of that that keeps me engaged yeah i mean i'm okay without too much interaction with human beings i'm i'm okay with that actually <laughs> Nice. You mentioned uh, there that you are basic shows, but maybe you could, if you could recommend something where we could learn more about forensic psychology or you know legal psychology in these areas, something that you've watched and you liked and you think that it resembles the real life. Mindhunter. Yeah, there's there's a show called Mindhunters on Netflix. Uh, highly recommended. It's it's academic. It's got it's got good stuff. Yeah, I, I won't say much, but like watch it. Sure, that's in my watch list right now already. <laughs> yeah, I think. Thank you so much for you know letting us know what you do in your day-to-day lives and your careers. Now, for people who are listening to this, this episode ends here, but we'll continue having a conversation with Meghna where we'll talk more about what forensic psychology is and about her startup that she's running. So stay tuned and look out for the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. Follow us on social media and do let us know if you want to be part of the next episode. Till then, live long and prosper.